this whole day we're going to talk about mothers, and again, I think it's a good thing and it's certainly appropriate to the scriptures to talk about the subject of mothers here today, and so we'll start out this morning and look at the role of motherhood, and uh, we're going to consider some thoughts here from Ephesians 6 and also Proverbs a little bit and throughout the scriptures, but uh, tonight we'll be looking at an example of motherhood. And I uh, hope you can be here tonight for that also. But we'll start here in Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. The Bible says in verse 2, Honor thy father and thy mother. And so we're going to do that through the scriptures and teaching on the role of motherhood here today to bring the subject of motherhood here from a scriptural standpoint. Let's go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 31. Again, if there's one chapter in the Bible that deals with the role of motherhood, it's certainly Proverbs chapter 31. Certainly many examples of good mothers throughout the scriptures, and we'll be looking at some of them here today, but we'll start here in Proverbs 31 and look at the value of motherhood and the role of motherhood, uh, beginning here in verse number 10, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in him, so that she shall have no need of spoil. She would do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She's like the merchant ships. She bringeth forth her food afar, from afar and rises up while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and, to, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good, her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, her hands hold to the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor, yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her households are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry, her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sitteth among the elders of the land, she maketh her fine linens and selleth it, and delivereth the girdles unto the market. Uh, sorry, merchant. Uh, strength and honor are her clothing; she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is a law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household; she eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. This morning I want to look at the role of motherhood. Let's pray as we consider this thought. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for today. Thank you for a chance to look into the Bible, look into history, and consider this <coughs> thought of motherhood. Again, as we meet again here today, I pray that you would 
helps your mother to be blessed in her role, blessed in uh, the ministry she has, blessed in the life that she's been given gracious to, graciously to you of the Lord. Again, I ask that you bless this time again as we meet here to this morning and tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we consider here some thoughts on motherhood today, again, we celebrate Mother's Day. And uh, I doubt if most of you or even I knew much about how this began to be. Again, I want to read about how Mother's Day was established because really, even if you look, and I just did this for the fun of it, I looked at Wikipedia and looked at Mother's Day, you know, who, you know, who started it and all that kind of stuff. It is such a short synopsis and really doesn't give you any kind of real history on the subject at all. And so I want to read from, again, this is just an excerpt from a book, All the Women of the Bible by Herbert Lockyer. And this goes into an extensive history of the lady who established this uh, Mother's Day. And again, it goes back here into the 1900s, early 1900s, actually maybe even to the days of the Civil War. And so just listen along. Again, I, it's a little long as far as the reading goes, and I'm not the best reader or whatever it might be. But I think you'll find it interesting, uh, again, how Mother's Day was established. It says here it was about, and again, I changed the, the day here, uh, the date here. It was about 120 years ago that Miss Jarvis got the idea of having a day set aside when men and women throughout the nation would pay special honor to their mothers. Anna Jarvis, his own mother, Miss Anna Reeves Jarvis, had died on the second Sunday of May in 1905. That is why this particular Sunday has been designated as Mother's Day. So what, why was it commemorated? It was because of a mother's death. It goes on, it says, it was first celebrated in a tiny church in Grafton, West Virginia, where Anna was born. Anna Jarvis was 10 at the time and attended a church with her parents and brothers and sisters. At the age of 20, she graduated from, uh, again, a particular seminary there in Staten, Virginia, and returned to teach in the public schools. She also taught with her mother in Sunday school at Andrews Methodist Church. During that time, her mother laid plans to set aside a day in honor of mothers around the world that never lived, but never lived to see her work completed. The move to Philadelphia. In December, of 30, uh, December 31st, 1902, the father died, and Mrs. Jarvis and her children moved to Philadelphia to live with their son, Claude. Three years later, on May 9th, 1905, Miss Jarvis died. In 1907, Miss Jarvis invited some friends to her house in Philadelphia to commemorate the anniversary of her mother's death and announced plans to make Mother's Day a national observance on the second uh, Sunday of May. Now, that's quite a thing to just decide, hey, we're going to try to make this a national thing. Next, Ms. Jarvis wrote to L.L. L. Lear, supervisor of the Andrews Sunday School, with a suggestion the church celebrate Mother's Day in honor of her mother. And on Sunday, May 10, 1908, the first Mother's Day church service was held at Andrews Church. Two years later, the governor of West Virginia proclaimed the first Mother's Day. Although a sincere 
a devotion and deep realization of her loss, undoubtedly were behind this movement. The real beginning of Mother's Day might go back to the time of the Civil War, when Anna's own mother organized the Union and Confederate mothers of her little community in an effort for the boys in blue and the boys in gray to begin to be friends again. Anna carried on this memory. In those early days in Philadelphia, Anna Jarvis paid out of her pocket to have carriages taken so that old people and those that were invalids could be brought to Mother's Day service. She brought and gave her away hundreds of carnations and emblems that she designated for them. There were expensive trips abroad. The custom of Mother's Day she tried to bring to Europe. Anna wrote personally to editors, ministers, presidents, even kings. Gradually, as she got more and more wrapped up into the thing she created, uh, she lost contact with most of her friends. And her only close companion was Elsa, the blind sister with whom she lived alone in a rambling Philadelphia house. There the two aged women kept the furnishings of the house that had been uh, the same way they had been during their mother's lifetime. Years passed and Anna's money dwindled. It was all spent on causes that seemed to have become her obsession in life. Claude Jarvis, a brother, bachelor, and a shrewd businessman thought he had left both his sisters well provided for after his death in 1926. But as a result of various legal and technical complications, the Jarvis sisters failed to receive the inheritance that their brother had intended to give them. They struggled along the best they could until the day came when Anna Jarvis, that's the one who started Mother's Day, eyes began to dim. Finally, she was nearly sightless like her sister. By this time, few people remember that shriveled old little lady once known internationally. No one paid any heed to the comings and goings of that woman anymore. But a doctor that she finally consulted with about her eyes worried about how she could attend her home because she was nearly sightless. He asked a welfare worker to go around to find out how Miss Jarvis was getting about, not realizing that she had the responsibility of taking care of her almost blind sister. There in that big chilly house, the investigator found a true case of the blind leading the blind. The two invalid sisters were nearly at starvation when they were found. Anna Jarvis was a spinster who founded Mother's Day over 60 years ago, seemed doomed to a lonely and penniless life. Miss Anna had suffered a nervous collapse and was sent to the hospital. Elsa was cared for by social services until her death in 1941. And the story might have ended there, but the woman who had devoted many years of her life to honoring the world's mothers eventually, uh, most would think, would eventually would die uh, dying alone, uh, friendless. Uh, but word of Miss Jarvis's unhappy situation finally came to a lawyer who had known her from the time he was a little boy. He called together a few men and women who felt a friendly regard for the one who now was helpless, old lady, and digging out of their own pockets, they built a fund large enough to move her to a luxurious private room in a sanatorium where uh, she would live out the rest of her days. When word got around that the way these sons and daughters of Philadelphia had rallied to help the founding of Mother's Day, other people started contributing to her welfare. 
florists from every state in the nation and from Hawaii made voluntary gifts to her. The makers of Mother's Day cards also contributed to this cause. Some of the money was donated, was used to erect a memorial to Mother's Day and to its founders. So widespread became the observance of Mother's Day that in 1934, the government issued a stamp bearing Whistler's portrait of her mother. It is indeed appropriate to have a day set aside to pay tribute and to the love, reverence of mothers who brought us into this world and nursed us through childhood and love us into their old age. Mothers are honored because their children are their first thought and care. And I think that's interesting. Did you know that? All you hear about that, all, all you hear about Mother's Day is there was this mom that started, you know, around 1905. And again, if you read again about it, they'll talk about how uh, card contributors are contributed to her in old days and that sort of thing. But I think there's some interesting things that are brought out in this history of this mother. And I just want to mention them here today as we talk about biblical motherhood. The first thing I want to consider about biblical motherhood here today, and I will turn to Proverbs chapter 31 and, uh, and verse number, uh, uh, verse number uh, 13, it says, She seeketh woolen flax, she worketh willingly with her hands. And so the first thing I want to consider about motherhood is, is there's a mother's ministry. There's a mother's ministry. And again, when it comes to ministry or service, and that's what ministry is about, it's really about serving others. If you take this mother here, this Anna Jarvis, who again started this Mother's Day because her mom wanted to start Mother's Day, I think it's a pretty cool thought when it comes to mothers having ministry. Her mom was a Sunday school teacher, and she became a Sunday school teacher. She was not only a Sunday school teacher, Ava, this Anna was, she was also a public school teacher. And again, I think about people in general, and I think about this lady, her ministry was centered about others. It was about others. The Bible says she would do him good, verse number 12, and not evil all the days of her life. So she's centered about helping her husband. She's centered about being a blessing to her children. It says there in verse number 26, it says, She opened her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well the ways of her household. She eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband, he also praises her. But as we think about the historical Anna Jarvis there, she was not only a Sunday school teacher, a public school teacher, but she was also someone who, again, tried to bring people to church. Isn't that interesting? Uh, you, you probably won't hear that today about uh, her history. She tried to bring people to church. It says here, in the early days of Philadelphia, Anna Jarvis paid out of her own pocket to have carriages, carriages meaning cars, carriages take old people and those who were invalids to church on Mother's Day. So what should we do maybe on a Mother's Day if we were trying to observe, maybe like it was historically, we should be trying to bring people to the house of God on Mother's Day. That's what she did. And she brought, she, she brought them, she gave them carnations. Again, I believe, again, just a representation of love or friendship. As she brought people to church. She, again, what did she do in her life? Well, she cared for her blind sister. 
Isn't that interesting? Cared for a blind sister. She certainly cared about others. And her ministry was towards others. She wanted mothers to be acknowledged to some degree. In 1907, Miss Jarvis invited some of her friends to her house in Philadelphia to commemorate the anniversary of her mother's death and announced plans to make Mother's Day a national observance on the second Sunday of May. And then she approaches her church. And what do we have today? We have National Mother's Day. In fact, I think it's international. She made her life's work centered around uh, being a blessing to others. And certainly that is, I believe, the main ministry of a mother is to seek to be a blessing to others. There's no one in this world who has, and again, I'm not trying to take away from my father, probably been a blessing to me more than my mother. My mom, every time I come and meet her, wants to try to be a blessing to me. Every time. I don't, I, don't think, I, I don't think I can talk about a time where she doesn't want to be a blessing to someone else other than herself. She'll look around just about every time I come to her house and look at what, what I have in this house and I can give to somebody else. How is Brian doing? How is David doing? How is Kevin doing? You know, she'll talk about, is this person working too much? Or they're not working enough? Or what's going on in their life? Her life is centered around others. Mothers has the word other in it. I think that's cool. I think that's interesting. Because I think their life is centered around under others. This Anna, she's an amazing lady. But let's turn to Luke, Luke chapter 2. There's an Anna in the Bible. She too, I believe, was an amazing lady. Her life was centered around God and the things of the Lord. It just says a little bit about here, but here's another Anna in the Bible. The Bible says here in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 36, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. And she was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming... In an instant gave thanks likewise on the Lord and spake of him to all them that looketh for redemption in Jerusalem. You know, Anna is an amazing lady in the Bible, isn't she? The Bible talks about her. Uh, she was certainly married here. It talks about her husband here. It talks about in verse number 36, she was a prophetess. In other words, she spoke out concerning the things of the Lord. And it says here in verse number 37, she was an 84-year-old Widow. You know, my mom's 83, almost. She's 82. And talks about what she, she, she did with her life at 83, 84 years old. Here it says, in 84 years old, it says she served God with fasting and prayers night and day. Still serving at 84. She's living for the Lord at 84. A mother who loved God and certainly loved others. It goes on there in verse number 
38, it says there, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looketh for redemption in Israel. And when they had performed all the things according to the law of God, they returned to Galilee and to their own city of Nazareth. But it mentions there in verse 38, I just want you to make note of that. It says, she spake of him to all them that looketh for redemption in in Jerusalem. She spake of him. She spoke of Jesus Christ. She spoke of the Messiah. She was vocal concerning her faith. She was, again, a mother and a biblical kind of a mother. This Anna was. She had a prayer life. She had a life of fasting. And she, she, she fasted and prayed. And she prayed and she spoke out. We see her in a position of motherly, again, ministry. And again, that's really where life is to be centered around it in a, in a mother's life is about motherly ministry. It centers around their children, centered around, again, as we see again here in this passage, Scripture centered around the, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see it again in, in this Anna in history, again, a center around serving in the, in the church and trying to be a help and a blessing to the community, trying to make an influence and difference in this world. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. Certainly, Anna is an example of this. It says that she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Pray without ceasing. Anna's life was one of testifying concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and redemption. Anna was a godly mother. She spake and testified of the Lord. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 here. If you've been saved by grace, one of the things that a mother should do, a father should do, a single person should do, anybody who's been saved by grace should do is be someone, again, speaking out concerning redemption. Salvation, salvation through the Jesus Christ, salvation by the blood of Jesus Christ, salvation through the Lamb. Motherhood is about letting others know what the truth is and communicating truth, love, and, and a lot of different things to their children. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are our God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ said, you be reconciled to God. You be, if you've been saved, again, one of your responsibilities as a mother is again to speak about redemption in whatever city you might be in. She spake to all of them that look for redemption in Israel. Motherhood is centered around others. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. Again, their life is centered more and more around others. A busy mother is, again, involved with so many different things, trying to be a blessing to her family, her friends, to strangers, those in church, those in the world, maybe those even in prison, those needing help. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 4, the Bible says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Motherhood is about otherhood. 
The best mother is unselfish, giving, seeking to be a blessing to other people. She worketh willing with hands. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 31. She's busy, busy attending to the needs of others. She has young children. She's attending those little babies or those toddlers or those young children, whatever they might be, whatever age they might be. Even if they're older, she wants to attend and help with their grown-up children and their grandchildren. Proverbs 31, verse number uh, 15, it says, She rises up while is yet nigh and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens giving them food, helping them out. She considereth a field and buyeth it. What's the purpose of getting a field to buy it? So you have food for yourself and for other people. Verse 17, she girdeth her loins with strength. Why is she getting strong? So she can bear the infirmities of the weak, as the New Testament says, and not please herself. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth out not by night. She's willing to work all hours. Mothers are on duty 24-7, just like fathers and doctors and, and police officers and others. She layeth her hands to the spindle, her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hands to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. This Anna Jarvis, she reached out to the needy, especially on Mother's Day, to be a blessing to them, give them, give them a carnation, give them help to get to the church. Surely she was a blessed kind of a mother. They have the Bible, a blessed kind of mother. They have a motherly ministry. Secondly, again, as I think about motherhood, what, again, is the role of motherhood? It's a motherly ministry. It's also a, a teaching and training ministry. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 1. It's a teaching and training ministry. Again, as we think about motherhood, it's about teaching and training teaching little ones how to talk and how to walk and how to eat and all the things that little children need to learn and teaching these young children as they mature in life other things about life, imparting wisdom and imparting help and counsel to their children. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 8, it says, Hear the, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Both involved with teaching there. It talks about there the instructions of the father and the law of the mother. It's a mother that establishes many of the laws, the rules of the household. She helps. She, again, mends. She plans. She attends to many of the things of the household. This is the role of motherhood. And Theodore Roosevelt said this, to educate a man's mind and not in, not in morals is to educate a menace to society. And so the mother sets out the laws. She sets out some laws, some things that the children should do and should not do. So we turn to Titus chapter 2, the role of motherhood is needful in society. We've seen the wholesale collapse of fatherhood in in. in in society, and I shouldn't say wholesale because someone says that means you're saying it's all collapsed. No, I'm just saying it's, it's certainly, again, hurting in society, fatherhood, motherhood. Again, these roles that are needful for the next generation, uh, again, need to be here for our society. 
The teaching and training ministry falls on both father and mother, but particularly on the mother. She normally is at home more often than father is because he's out maybe working. Um, Titus chapter 2, in verse number 4 and 5, it says that you teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. One of the most important roles of a mother, again, is to keep her home. Doesn't mean she can't work outside the home. It seems to indicate in Proverbs there that this woman went outside the home and brought some, uh, again, merchandise to the uh, different people there and, 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 and had fields and tended to those kind of things too. Again, for mothers, their life needs to be centered around their children, teaching them morals, teaching them what's right and wrong, teaching them what's good and what's not. Again, without this, again, we have a society where we find, again, more and more where there is no right, there is no wrong. Why isn't there a right and why isn't there a wrong? Because mothers and fathers are not teaching them necessarily their children and People say the schools should teach them all those things. But yet the Bible says here that uh, the, the young women should be sober, to love their husbands, love their children, to be keepers at home. And so there's a third focus, not only motherly ministry and teaching and training. I want to mention here, thirdly, loving and caring. Loving and caring. This love and caring is centered especially around their husband and their children, verse number four, that they may teach the young children to be sober, uh, to love their husbands, to love their children. The focal point of a mother's life is centered around her family, her family that God has graciously given her. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 66. A focal purpose, a family purpose, a motherly purpose, Isaiah chapter 66. Again, there's a great influence that we can have as both fathers and mothers on our children, and that is through, again, uh, training and teaching our children. But also, there's a need for us to love and to care for our children. And again, that's certainly, again, part of the responsibility of both uh, parents there. But uh, Isaiah 66 and verse number uh, 13. The Bible speaks of the mother being a comforter in the home. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. Ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. The Bible talks about comfort. Where does comfort come from a lot of times? It comes from the mother as one whom his mother comforteth. A mom is to be a comforter. Mom is to be an encourager. Mom is to be a caregiver. Mom, again, is certainly again to be a place where she seeks to love and focus on being a blessing to her children. She invests in them. She works with them. She spends time with them, a lot of time with them. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 31. A godly mother puts her family before herself. Many times she may sacrifice herself for her family. Her household sees this. And uh, again, even speaks about her in, in a good way. Proverbs 31, verse number 27 and 28, it says there, She looketh well to the ways of her household. She eateth not the bread of idleness. 
Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. And so both the children and the father there, again, praise her and speak well of her. Children call her blessed. And the father, he praises her for her loving, caring sacrifice for the family. She loves her children as a friend would, but she also loves her children like the Lord would. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Again, she loves her children like the Lord would, and there's a need for us to love our children in the way the Lord would have us to love them. To, you know, to give our children things that aren't good for them is not good for our children. To not, again, maybe uh, discipline our children is not, again, to be the loving parent or mother or father that we should. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about charity and love, and I just want to read this a little bit here. As again, I believe it describes, again, the mother's care for her children, love for her children. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It beareth all things. It believeth all things. It hopeth all things and endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall be banished away. It says there in verse number four, some things about charity. It suffers long. It's kind. It says there, it vaunteth not itself. It's not proud or puffed up, as it says there. It doesn't behave itself seemly. It seeketh not her own. It comes back to this focus on others. It's not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. It rejoices in the truth. So you think of the Anna in the Bible and the Anna in history, both of them were, again, others-oriented. They loved and cared for others. The Anna Jarvis of history, again, was a Sunday school teacher and a teacher. She cared for her blind sister. Her focus was on being a friend and loved others. She spent all her money up there, even though she had this bachelor brother who tried to give intend to those two sisters after his earlier death. But uh, because of her interest to see mothers again promoted, she spent all for that cause. Probably crazy, someone said crazy, to have mothers honored. But she was a good mother. She looketh well the ways of her household. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to turn there again with one last thought here about the role of motherhood. It's one of motherly ministry. It's one of teaching and training. It's one of loving and caring. It's one finally of powerful and, and uh, positive influence on the life of their children. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. We see this legacy of faith mentioned here in the Bible. 
It's an unfeigned faith. It's a genuine faith. In verse number five, the first dwelt in grandma Lois and mother Eunice and now in Timothy. Started with Lois, passed on to Eunice, went on to Timothy. Against you follow even the history then of this Anna. She had a, gra- a grandmother, it seems, that helped during the Civil War, after the Civil War, to bring together Confederate mothers of both the blue side and the gray side so that they could be friends again. That's a, good, that's a good grandmother, isn't it? And then you had a mother who wanted to honor Mother's Day. She wasn't able to promote that during her life, but in her death, the daughter does. Again, you see there a desire to have a positive influence. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. What kind of influence? The influence centered around the scriptures, really. Again, I don't know of their true faith and, and that sort of thing, but uh, again, I, I just see here in Ephesians chapter 6 that the honoring of mother or father is something that's scriptural, something that should be done, and it actually will help promote life, and I believe promote happiness in life. Ephesians 6 verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. Honor thy father and thy mother. What was Anna's mother's goal? To see mothers honored. What was the grandmother's desire? To see boys on the blue side, boys on the gray side. To be friends again. A ministry of reconciliation. You can see this in each one of them. Grandma, mother, and daughter. Again, someone says, well, should someone be in a place where they want to see Mother's Day observed? Well, she wanted to see Mother's Day observed, and she believed that she could see Mother's Day observed on a national scale. And she reached that. It took time, and maybe again, a long time in many ways, spent money for her cause, spent time for her cause, wrote letters to kings and other dignitaries to promote her cause. For what purpose? Their fathers and mothers could be honored once a year. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. It is indeed appropriate that a day be set aside that we can pay tribute to the love and remnants of mothers who brought us into this world and nourished us in childhood and who loved us even into their old age. Mothers are honored because their children are the first thoughts and care of their heart. Again, we see here a mother who passes on a genuine faith. It goes from Lois to Eunice to Timothy. It goes even beyond that to others also as the Bible mentions that, the things that you've been taught to others, teach others also. <clears throat> Timothy's faith <clears throat> would be passed on. Let's turn back to uh, Proverbs chapter 31. The role of mother is critical in the roles of children. 
grandma, and, and mom are to be positive and powerful influences that influence the next generation in the things of the Lord. Whose influence should our children be influenced by most? Should it be the TV or the influencers of the day or their peers or someone else? It should be, I believe, many times mother or father or maybe a sister or brother or pastor or the Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 31, verse number 27, it says there, She looketh well to the ways of her household. She eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her, hus her husband also praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excels them all. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. It mentions there in the last verse, her own works praises her in the gates. I just want to end with some thoughts, some quotes from some people of history that were influenced by their mother. It was John Quincy Adams that said, All that I am, my mother made me. It was Abraham Lincoln that said, All that I am, or hope to be, I own to my angel mother. It was Dwight Moody that said, all that I ever accomplished in my life, I owe to my mother. You know, mother's influence is great. And it's wonderful. Let's turn back to 2 Timothy, and I want to close here. You know what is most important that a mother can try to do in the life of her children? Is to pass on a genuine biblical faith to her children. And that's what Lois did. Lois passed on to Eunice, her daughter, and Eunice passed on to her son, Timothy, a biblical faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and in thy mother Lois, uh, Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting hand of thy hands. Uh, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear or uh, power, or, uh, but, but, uh, sorry, but a power of love and a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us, and called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought uh, life and immortality to light through the gospel. Wherefore, I'm appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. It goes on from there, but mentions again here this this salvation, this holy calling, this life that Timothy would live because of the faith influence of his grandmother and mother on his life. Let me encourage you to be a like influence on your children. Let's close as we consider the word of God here today.